Welcome to Sobertown Podcast. You can find all of our podcasts at SobertownPodcast.com. My name is Viv, aka Sober I Thrive on IAS. I am a member of Sober.com. It's a free app to download and it serves as a daily counter. That's a community in which you can uh, find other people going through um, throwing, going through sobriety and there's different topics um, that each one of us contribute. And it's a, a type of a social uh, platform for other people on the same day as you starting and it can help you through um, day one through whenever, how many, how many, how much support is up to you. Um, it's a sober community and a sober app for you. Uh, Sobertown.com, Sobertownpodcast.com offers um, all kinds of podcasts, all kinds of sober tools um, in relations to sobriety. And it's based uh, from members of IAS. We give our time uh, free of charge. It's basically in service of others and to help with your sober journey. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, the big thaw. And I have my sober coach with me discussing the big thaw. Her name is Heather uh, with Ditch the Drink, and she was um, the most valuable part of my support, uh, also with uh, the I Am Sober community. So hand in hand, hands down, they're the reason why I am 10 plus months sober. Heather, please introduce yourself. Woohoo, Viv, 10 plus months sober, so awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So I love what you've already said, and I think it's important for everyone to know, uh, add in support. It's the right, you know, keep going, keep adding in support. Uh, everybody has likely tried more than once. Keep trying, keep believing, and keep adding in more support. That will always be the answer. And I love that you have both an app, a community, and a sober coach. And for you, that was the winning ticket to your success. So um, I'm just so Absolutely. honored that I've been a part of your journey. Thank you. Um, thank you, Heather. Thank you. You know, it was the reason that I was so um, happy that I had the sober coaching along with the IAS was because I just didn't know what was going what I was going to go through or what I was going to face um, as far as sobriety. And, and um, the sober community element, you know, the elementary to what I needed as far as support, because um, as going through it, you're going through it on the same days as others. And you are going through it the same days as other people. So the further that you're going through, it's like a wave and we're all each of us on this wave, riding this wave. And there are people that are further along the, uh, than us and they come back. But the, so, uh, the sober coaching that you provided to me, I was ha I had the ability to go back and ask you, what is in my, what am I going through? Am I okay? And this was one of the biggest things um, that what that I didn't expect, and I know that in the beginning of our sober journey, um, I, when I say ours, it was mine with you. Uh, you had mentioned the big 
big thought, but I didn't, it didn't register. It, it just, it was a term and I just didn't understand it until I definitely went through it. So what is the big thought? Yeah. So um, this is a term I didn't come up with it, but, and I don't know where, I don't know where I found it in all honesty. I, I can't recall, but the idea of getting sober, being wet and messy and unpredictable and having tears involved like an ice cube fine <laughs> really related to me in two ways one an ice cube um in 27 degrees doesn't thaw if you turn the ice cube up and i believe this comes from james clear of atomic habits if you turn the thermostat up to 28 it looks like nothing's happening the ice still doesn't thaw 29 degrees nothing, 30 degrees, nothing until you get to 33 degrees or above freezing, then you see the ice start to melt. So first of all, in sobriety, you are doing a lot of work under the surface in those first few days, those first few weeks, those first few months, you are pushing through cravings and not having a drink and doing something different than you've done. And yet the changes on the outside are not yet noticeable. So mm -hmm. that's why I think anybody that survives that is incredible <laughs> because you are working yeah. so, so hard and you're not having the immediate gratification of a drink. And you're also not having the immediate gratification of seeing any changes, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You're feeling annoyed. You're feeling irritated. You're not getting what you want. <laughs> Your drinking brain is throwing a temper tantrum. It's incredibly uncomfortable and moving through that discomfort builds resilience, but it's really hard in the beginning. So in one way, that's how an ice cube is like sobriety. And the other way, the way I was explaining to you is this big thought. So for however long you've been drinking, you've taught yourself to go to a drink for every emotion. If you're like me, uh, to celebrate for a good day, for a holiday, for a work success, for a birthday, you have a drink for a bad day, for something shitty that's happened, for a death or a funeral or a loss of a project or a job or a, a loved one, you go for a drink. Mm -hmm. So you stunted your feelings for so long because you have substituted drinking to avoid that feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's you keep drinking and all of a sudden this flood of emotions <laughs> come and it's like a big thaw. You are, a, you turn into a puddle, right? You have so yeah. much emotion. It feels so intense. You're suddenly right. feeling everything you haven't felt for years or even decades. And you're feeling it all at once. And you're not sure how to cope with that. So that is what I mean by the big thaw. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, um, I when I went through my big thaw, it was, I, you know, you hear the, I, I heard the phrase from you, but I just did not understand it. And I was at about 105 days. It was somewhere in between. It was a little over my 100th day. I was singing. I was so happy. And then all of a sudden, this, my heart felt like it had dropped. And I was looking at I don't want to say my life, but it was kind of like reality in my face. And it was, it was something like I had never, ever felt before. It was all of these intense emotions of 
like how is my life going to be now for the rest of my life it were it was questions that didn't register for the first like you say about 100 days that my only my mind was focused on I will not have a drink I will not have a drink at the 100th day it said it I was celebrating that but I guess everything that I had pushed pushed down or I really wasn't focusing it was like a threshold where my mind said okay well now you know you're not having a drink so now what now how are you gonna celebrate now what's gonna happen to it was just looking into the future it was looking at my mind was going crazy I had a perfect meltdown and I remember calling you up and I just I felt everything surface and I wanted to drink bad. My relapse was going to depend on that moment um, because I had never felt such intense emotions of sadness. Uh, of It was sadness. It was just things. It, it, it was like a roller coaster. And I remember calling you and you were like, oh, you're just going through the big thun. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know I was tough on you I remember saying um you're not gonna die from feelings Viv <laughs> you thought you were dying from your feelings you really did though it was that intense and I had to remind it you it was ugly yeah it was ugly yeah. crying, crying. I couldn't catch my breath yeah. and it was like the little kids that you're it taking was, away uh, yes yes <laughs> Oh, I know. Feelings are the weather, but you are the sky, right? So this is going to pass. That. And I knew that because I had done that. And um, same with your app to turn around now for you to be that guiding light, that flashlight in the dark for other people to Absolutely. say, you know, and even doing the podcast to say this might happen and it's okay. You know, <laughs> we, we, our term for it is the big thought. You're going to feel a lot of things. It's not going to kill you. Don't drink over it. Keep going. Even yes. Shall pass. Right. Absolutely. What I've been doing um, more as of late is I've been going back into the app at about 110 days and I can see um, it hits anywhere between 80 to 110 days, even 120 I've seen, and people are having perfect meltdowns. And that's one of the things that I did on top of the support that you gave me is I went back to my app and I was like, I'm sad and I don't know why. And, and does anybody else feel this way? And there were so many people that said, I'm feeling it too. I'm feeling it too. And that's when I went back to, and I'm like, and one of the other girls on there, her name is Peanut. She goes by Peanut. And she asked me, how long does this last? Because one of the things was scary for me was, am I going to be left like this forever? Is every emotion from here on out, is it going to feel this intense? Mm -hmm. Because if I am, I don't want to feel this way. Right. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm gonna just going to go right back to the way I was because it didn't feel as intense. Right. So when you told me, you know, um, you were like, it doesn't last. You're just, you're going to feel, you're going to feel it. 
and the next time it's not going to be as bad. And people on the app came back that had a year in sobriety and were saying, I remember that. And you better be vigilant in looking because this is, this is a very vulnerable state. This is where some people can relapse. And, and for, unfortunately I've seen, seen it go both ways. And early in my sobriety at, let's say four months going into a hundred and uh, let's say, yeah, about four or five months now I was, you know, as I became stronger and I went over through this, I wanted to reach back and say to those people that were going through it, cause I had just been through it, but I hadn't, didn't have my voice yet to be able to tell them, navigate this. It's temporary. It's called the big thaw <laughs> and you're going to get through it. And once you're through this, you're going to be so much better and it's not going to hurt as bad. And you're going to, you're actually, you're just dealing with no, new emotions that you've never dealt. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I you love know? that you um, call it a perfect meltdown. Viv. Yeah. It's like, um, a breakdown is, is a breakthrough. And that's what Absolutely. this big thought is. It's like, um, it builds you, it builds your resilience because once you get through that, it's like a Phoenix who rises from the ashes. There's truly nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't feel. You've already felt it and you've, you've made it through and you can't go around it. You have to go through it. And that like 90 day mark. So my program is, is about nine, it's 12 weeks. So it's 90 days. And then many people continue because I'm certified as a life coach, as well as a certified recovery coach. So of course, Mm -hmm. uh, many people choose to renew, but the initial program is about 90 days. And I think you uh, hit the nail on the head when you said that, because there's a difference of not drinking for a month, let's say doing dry January or sober October or doing a sober curious experiment and not drinking for a month. Plenty of people do that. When you get to 90 days, that's like a quarter of the year. You start to not just be somebody who's not drinking, but become somebody who's a non-drinker. So it's an identity shift. It's not just the behavior of not drinking. It's starting to see yourself and your life as somebody who no longer drinks. And there's so much Mm -hmm. that's beautiful about that in 90 days. And there's so much that's frightening about that also, right? It can be quite terrifying when um, (laughs) alcohol is kind of clutch to you. And it's been your identity. If you're me, I was a party girl. It went along with who I was. And especially in certain professions, it feels like part of the job. So letting go of that is also a loss and a grief. It can feel that way. Absolutely. I think that that was the whole, for me, mounting of it, of who am I? That was the question that came. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who, who am I now? Who am I as this person's wife? Who am I in my career? Mm-hmm. It, for whatever reason, all these questions started hitting and the cravings got even but I believe it's like baby with the pacifier. You give the pacifier to the baby all the time. And then all of a sudden it doesn't have it. It's going to just scream, you know, and it was the same thing. Um, I wanted to ask you, how did you first hear about the big thought? I don't know. It was in something that I read and it just talked about the mat, the wetness and the mess, I guess. And I just related that to feeling intense feelings 
after drinking and numbing for so long, uh, for me, everything felt twitchy and uncomfortable. Um, when I was newly sober, I mean, I was itchy. I was a live wire <laughs> full of anxiety. I felt so sensitive, so extra sensitive to everything going on around me. Anything could bring me to tears. Um, I really had yeah. no coping skills. I had drank since high school. So I never, when my brain was still developing, I started drinking and I truly never, here I was a middle-aged woman in my forties. I had never learned coping skills. I didn't know how to cope feeling socially awkward drink, feeling unsure of yourself drink, having thoughts and feelings. You don't want to face drink, having, um, situations and relationships. You don't want to address drink, not liking the environment that you're in, not fitting into the situation around you drink to ignore it, to deny yourself, to shut up. I mean, for me, it was to shut up the voice in my own head to try to just fit into my life with smile on my face and alcohol helped me do that. I did not know how to cope with discomfort at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I noticed that that is a common thread uh, because I've noticed so many people in the beginning as when I came into sobriety um, that, that I thought, you know, I'm not, I don't drink for like everybody else, I, I drink because I don't, I don't want to deal with my feelings. So, which to me meant I don't drink because I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I just don't want to deal with my feelings. Well, that's all of us. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, the reasons that most of us is because we don't want to deal with the feelings and it's, this is the way that we deal with, with things. And this is the way we've dealt with things. And alcohol has been that crutch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, totally. It's, it starts as that way, but then we become dependent on it. Our brain becomes right. dependent on it. And then the scary part is you start to not be able to feel good without it. You mm-hmm. need the uptick of alcohol to get you to some sort of baseline happiness because you're so depressed <laughs> because it's actually brought you yeah. down overall that to get any right. sort of kick up you need alcohol, which is typically just stopping the feelings of withdrawal. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a daily drinker, even if you're not so, a lot. So why is it that, let's say for the first 90 days, let's, let's say around there, you're not dealing with the big thought. What is it that's going on in the brain that kind of doesn't have you, thank God it doesn't have you go through at the same time but yeah because that would be crazy but why is it like what's happening in the first 90 days is there still alcohol in the brain is there alcohol in the body so it's feeding off of what the what is it yeah well definitely um there's still alcohol in the body it can take up to a year for all the systems to um recalibrate to a new status quo to a new norm so there's a lot of science changes that are happening um, neurologically and physically. But I think it's mostly, it's a lot of mindset because when you're on day one, I mean, you're just focused on the two feet in front of you. You're trying to get to day two. And when you get to day two, you're trying to get to day three. It's pretty hard to think beyond that when you are literally, it's taking all the energy that you have to get through each day, single day. 
So there's that going on. Once the alcohol starts to leave your system and your brain has started to rewire, you're creating new neural pathways in your brain. So at five o'clock, instead of getting a drink, you're getting a cup of tea, you're going for a walk or making dinner, taking a bath, you know, you're learning these new coping skills. Then you have the capacity to look a little bit into your future. Plus this, it's becoming a habit. You're not drinking is becoming the new norm versus the thing that you're just trying out. It's starting to feel normal. Five o'clock might go by and you didn't think about a drink for the first time. Right. In the third week, right. or the fourth week or something like that. And you start to notice you haven't thought about it or time is passing. Um, so you're, you're free to put some energy into what else is going on. Yeah. And the pink cloud is, which is what we've referred to. Um, it happens to some of us, happens to most of us. I don't know. How do you see that like in your, in your practice amongst your clients does everybody have the pink cloud and then the big thaw happens I mean how does how does that happen yeah I think that really varies um so I do see the big thought typically around a 90 day mark like you said 80 to 120 makes sense um the pink cloud it happens to it some people feel that and not everybody feels that so that's harder to gauge I will tell you for me, which is not a typical experience, I feel the pink cloud and I honestly feel like it has never left. I feel like my whole life is pink cloud and saying that is going to make some people feel like, well, they're not doing it right. And that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. If you're doing it, you're doing it right. You know, to each their own. Um, My experience was I tried sober experiments for three years before my last day one. So I had a lot oh, of wow. drinking, not drinking back and forth, you know, and right. I, wasn't, I mean, the reason I did that was to try to keep alcohol in my life. I thought right. if I could quit I drinking, it was no problem. And if it was no problem, then I didn't have to let it go. So I was, you know, gripping to try to keep alcohol being sober was a absolute worst case scenario for me. That was <laughs> and- me too. Yeah, the sober experiments were actually relapses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were relapses. You know, Uh, practice, practice runs. So I could show everybody, hey, there's no not a problem going on. No problem. I just went thirty days or two weeks or, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, by the time I came to my last day one, I recognized that to significantly change my life for the better and for it to not go down the tubes any more than it already had. I didn't know if letting go of alcohol would work, if that was the answer, but I knew that I had to try. I knew that not giving it up wasn't helping and maybe it'd be the answer. And to be honest, I would love to prove somebody wrong and say, see, see, it wasn't the alcohol, (laughs) but yeah, 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 it was. Alcohol was standing in the way of everything I wanted. Alcohol was bringing my mental health down, my physical health down. Um, It was clouding me and fogging me from living the life that I was made for. And since I've gotten rid of it, it was incredibly hard. The whole first year is hard, I would say. Um, And my life is not easy now. I still have things to address. I'm not a perfect person, but I have the ability to address that 
And I am so grateful to be free that that pink cloud feeling of waking up and not being hungover hasn't left me. That feeling of knowing how to tune into myself, even when things are hard, knowing how to take care of myself and the resilience I've built and the patterns that I've changed and the generational things that I've healed, that sort of joy, pink cloud joy has not left me and I'm about four years sober, so... It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You know, I, I honestly think that, um, that we, that this, um, the big thaw happens. It's theoretical what I'm about to say, but I think it happens because it's kind of almost like it felt like to me, like when you ride a bicycle and you're learning how to ride and, um, you know, they, they put on the training wheels and you're just learning the balance, learning the balance, learning balance. And then they take off the training wheels and then you go and you skin your knee. Yeah, that's perfect. But each time, that's why they took off the training wheels. And the mind is so kind to ourselves, uh, to us, the way that, that we're made is that that pink, uh, the uh, big saw happens when we get and some of us get the the pink pink cloud and in combination is because you're first learning to write then you get this you you skin your knee but once you skin your knee you're not so scared because it was just a knee skin mm-hmm. and the next time you still get back up on the bike and you may skin your knee again but you know what to expect it was the same it was that moment that pivotal moment of the big thought gave me resilience to create the mental scab of my brain of things to come, um, uh, adjustments that I needed to make. And had I not gone through that thaw and stuck it out and created that mental, you know, mental, you know, scab and, and, and bruise and everything else, then as things would arise, eyes and I felt them I was like okay I did that I can make it through this mm-hmm. and, and and that that was I mean that was just pivotal pivotal into my growth of, of being able to get over that mark and with your help and everybody on IAS because my biggest fear was that I was going to be stuck that way because mm-hmm. previously to drinking um, I was not a crier. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, when I drank, when I was a, a drinker, I never cried. It was very rare. Um, unless I was drunk off my ass, then, I, then that's when all the tears, but as a sober human being, I never dealt with my feelings and I never cried because I drank. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that it really did allow me to, feel everything and for the things to come in my life that I didn't expect how, how they were going to show up or how I was going to, what was going to happen, but it kind of mentally prepared me. So it was, it was beneficial to my, it's one of the things that I, that I, that I will see with your um, clients. Do you see them at, you know, the before and after the big thought, if they're different, are they different? I think the big thought is a beautiful sign of growth and healing. 
Um, and I love your take the training wheels off and spin your knee analogy. I think that's perfect. So there is a term called that I don't really like, but you'll know what I'm talking about when I say like a dry drunk, somebody mm -hmm. that has quit drinking, but hasn't addressed their feelings. So maybe they've turned to hoarding or porn or, you know, any number yes. of things to, and they don't drink, but they continue to deny their feelings or to address um, some of those emotions. And uh, so the fact that you're having a big thought and you're feeling emotions is a sign of growth and healing to me as a coach. So when my clients go through that, like you, I mean, I can definitely hold your hand and encourage you and shine a guiding light on what's ahead that you will not, you are not stuck here forever. But this is only temporary and you are normal and you are good and you are healing and rewiring and growing and it's confusing. In addition, I think a really important part of being human and being somebody in recovery is recognizing that we have many emotions. In fact, um, there's like 87 different emotions and feeling them is what it feels like to be alive. So yes. it's whole, it's whole. And that's not only positive emotions. There's plenty of discomfort and negative emotions too, and sadness and disappointment and, um, it's okay to feel them all in order to get the whole experience of being alive. It's, it's living an awakened life. And that means being open to all the emotions and not only the positive. So when you shut down and numb your sadness, you're also shutting down and numbing your capacity for joy. And when you're able to feel sadness to its deepest depths, you know, you can also feel happiness and joy to its fullest because it's that juxtaposition, you know, that juxtaposition of emotions that creates right. the whole human experience. And that is truly what we're here for. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I remember you telling me that, um, like, does be careful that you don't cross, um, what is it? it? There's a term for it, right? That you can pick up another addiction. Yeah, yeah. And what is that? I mean, would that stunt the growth or the big thought? Yeah. So perhaps it would. I mean, if you continue to deny yourself feelings, even if it's not alcohol, you can certainly find another way to distract yourself and avoid yourself. Right. Right. <laughs> it's all right. About your relationship with you and your comfort with being you and getting alcohol free. And the way that you have, and the way that I have, Viv, teaches you to sit with yourself, no matter what that is, and accept what is, instead of always trying to force and change it and be different. And it's being a witness to ourselves instead of a judge. It's observing what's happening instead of trying to force it, something to be different. And a lot of people drink because they don't want to feel but they feel, you know, and the truth is what they feel might be um, of many women that I work with drink at five o'clock every night because what they feel like is like they don't want to make dinner for their freaking family again. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we can figure out ways around making dinner. You don't have to drink. But that moment of um, the transition from work to home and added responsibility and overwhelm and uh, feeling resentment to be the right. one responsible for all that, you know, leads a lot of women to want to escape that moment and just turn into a robot, make the dinner and drink their wine. 
while they tune right. out dinner time, bath time, bedtime, especially with small children. And we live in a world that promotes that mommy juice, that that alcohol is the key to doing it all. And you could just, it's wine o'clock, you know, so just take the escape right. from your life and life is hard. It is brutal, no doubt, but mm-hmm we're here to live it. And when you take that escape hatch of alcohol or whatever the addiction is, you're missing out. Yeah, definitely. I definitely, I agree with you. Um, I was very uh, careful with that because I didn't want to pick up another addiction <laughs> that was going to, you know, uh, cause I could feel myself wanting to reach. Yes. <laughs> or smoking. Oh, definitely. That's why I started going to the gym. Cause I would, I felt kind of like if I'm going to smoke I might as well go to the gym because maybe it'll even out when I'm trying to run my lungs are going to yell at me and be like you know what I mean and so I I thought maybe I'll balance it out like that and and a a lot of that happened um the other question that I wanted to ask you is there anything that a person could do to mitigate the big thought nutrition. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you deal with a ton of people. So yeah. So um, first of all, equipping yourself with new coping skills prior to this happening, which you are working on when you're ditching the drink anyways, but finding healthy ways to release emotion. Uh, Some ideas that come to mind. One thing for me that I love is journaling expressing myself in a journal. And I tease that my journal says F you and F you and F you too, <laughs> top to bottom every single day, every morning. And it's almost true. That is honestly almost true. And that's fine because it's not a <laughs> chronological report of my gratitude or my life story or anything like that. It is just me expressing myself. So if I can get it out that way, that definitely helps for some people. It is exercise. Um, Running is awesome. Punching a bag is awesome. Like dancing music can be so therapeutic. My exercise of choice is yoga because it combines the mind, body, and spirit brings me to a place where I can listen to my breath. So just Mm -hmm. being in the present stops your mind from jumping into the past with regret or jumping to the future with anxiety Um, just a practice of staying in the present moment. So, you know, for me, that's yoga and meditation. And I will say Mm -hmm. meditation, I credit meditation for changing my life. I started meditating when I was still drinking, I would put my headphones or my, yeah, my headphones in every night before bed and listen to a sleep meditation. I would probably just pass out to it, but somehow it started changing my unconscious. And what meditation does is teach you to sit with your breath, even when things are uncomfortable. So if you have ways to express yourself through journaling, through exercise, if you have been building your meditation muscle when, and it's a practice, right? There's Mm -hmm. no uh, progress, practice makes progress. There's no perfection in any of this. Um, Then you know how to sit with discomfort. It doesn't have to push you over the edge. You you've learned that. So those are some ways that you can equip yourself to deal with the intense emotions. And then connection, what you found um, on the I Am Sober app, connecting with other people. I think speaking out loud, articulating what you're feeling and having somebody say me too. Yeah. Being heard or listened to, having a coach. A lot of what I do, as you know, is 
It's yeah. not advice giving, it's hearing you, it's seeing you, mm -hmm. it's recognizing and acknowledging you and what you're going through. And that in itself heals so much just to be heard, just to say, I'm sad. And for me to not think yeah. that, but say, I see that you're sad, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. A few ideas. Yeah, that I it, that definitely um, helped in every which way. Those, I, I for me, it just felt like those in combination is what led to my success um, of not drinking. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it had I, I, you know, I'm not in that position to say, but I think honestly, because I had tried so many sober experiments on my on my own prior to coming to the app and everything like that, even if I had made it to the 90 days and that big thought would have hit, I, 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 I honestly can say, I think I would have relapsed. I would have buckled because I wasn't equipped. I didn't know who to reach out to. My spouse didn't, he doesn't have a, a drinking problem. So he didn't, wouldn't know what, you know, to, what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, my mom, same thing, you know, people that love me, we could never understand, uh, you know, that mark. And what do you mean? I, I can only imagine that it would have been like, well, what do you mean all of a sudden you feel your feelings? What have we been doing for the last 50 years, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, having that really, it, uh, to me, it gave me validation and give, gave me strength. Um, it, it, particularly, I sat till 3 a.m., with a tissue box and my husband with him just holding it and crying my eyes out till I you know they were just shut swollen pretty much because it was so scary and so but after you had decades worth of tears built up <laughs> you had been not allowing yourself to feel so there it comes the big melt yeah yeah I mean I now that you say that it was even recalling childhood trauma yeah you said I didn't cry when I was a drinker unless I was like a belligerent drunk in a moment but you didn't allow yourself that so no wonder you had I mean it was less than 24 hours eight hours of straight tears built up coming out I definitely see that as healing even though it feels um it doesn't feel like the happy ending you were looking for in that moment it's exactly what it means to heal and grow is to start feeling all those things. Well, it definitely, like I said, it equipped me for things to come. It equipped me for, um, for feeling and making choices and being not afraid of feeling the feelings there, you know, after that, you know, I had a really difficult time in my marriage and we just didn't see eye to eye and, um, I had to make those choices. Uh, but instead now, because I had gone through the big thought, because I went through it, because I felt the feelings when uh, um, I had to, you know, make the hard decisions, instead of reaching for the bottle, I came home and I drank tea. Mm -hmm. and, and that was something, you know, also that you told me, look at, I, I mean, to me, I didn't even think about it. I it was just, and I came home, Heather, and I made myself some tea you know and you were like oh my god Viv it's just something that I, I didn't even equate mm, I love it I love it you're selling um coaching support which I totally believe in because 
our moms and our daughters and our husbands are not equipped to handle this. They don't know what it's like if they haven't been through it. So finding somebody that knows, and even therapists, if they don't have a drinking problem themselves, you know, they can have all the science in the world, but, and reaching out for help of any kind is incredible. But if coaching support is so cool because um, like with me, I've been through it. So I do know how that feels. And there's a difference in that. Somebody who has the br- a drink now brain, like you have a drink now brain. Um, right. I can relate to that. And then two, just the accountability, someone to celebrate success and someone to go to. We can't expect our loved ones to have that role. And just how neat that every week you had a place just for you, you know, just for you right. to talk about you, whatever you wanted to talk about, whatever was your agenda. You don't get to do that in all your relationships either. It's give and take, right? And it's sometimes what they want to do or what their expertise is in. So I think it's so, so valuable to have somebody that's on your team just, just for you. Well, it, 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 for me, it just felt like I had someone with, um, not only that I had, I mean, the reason that I chose you, um, as a coach was because you had been a hardcore drinker like I was and your, your stories, um, put me to tears each and every time because it was like reading my own story. And, um, that's exactly what, how it felt. So I thought who better to understand me than somebody that's been through it. And, and that's, I mean, that, that was the only reason why I even considered, uh, moving forward and moving forward to stop drinking. Cause I just, I had tried so many times on my own and, um, like, like I said, the, I am sober app was the wall the sounding board too mm-hmm. and you were just the you were they were the sounding board that nobody knows you on there nobody I didn't even put pictures up for the first three four months of myself it was just a blank cam you know blank picture and then sober I thrive but you gave me the support because it was one-on-one seeing each other mm-hmm. and when I didn't know what I was going through and I would ask you you were like oh you're going through this now and then you're going through this or you know what and it was so uh, element it was so great in the beginning because you told me run if you can go out and run in the sun and mm-hmm. I've never ran in my whole life mm-hmm. it, it just simple things that you gave me the coping mechanisms. And that's a lot of things that on um, that I am sober, I try to tell other people mm-hmm. to learn how to soothe yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to, to just say, well, just go soothe yourself, but they don't really understand. Um, sometimes when I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is not sitting with the feelings. That's one thing. No, learn a different way to soothe yourself. Because after the big thaw, I had moments of crisis and that's when I would go and ask you and I would be like, this is what I'm going through. And you were like, well, what do we do with babies? We swaddle them, mm-hmm. swaddle yourself. Mm-hmm. Those things were just um, things I needed to hear. And they're so, you think, mm-hmm. you think that you, you should know this, but you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, um, nature and sunshine and movement and prayer as some type of prayer. I mean, that is a lot of 
free medicine right there. And just like, yes, with the baby, wrap yourself in a blanket and have a cup of hot cocoa and rock yourself to sleep. Or I always say, if you have an unhappy baby, put them in water and adults are very much the same. So whether that's a bath or an ocean or a lake or whatever, um, learning to self-soothe and self-regulate then you become the powerhouse that you are today, the complete badass Viv who's sober and there's nothing you can't do. And yeah, then I love yeah, it because yeah. the power of you reaching out to me because you had read probably my blogs on Ditch the Drink and you related to them. So that is me sharing tough stories, shame, my own shame, but I'll tell you this, shame can't live um, it, it lives in dark corners. So shame can't live when it's not a secret anymore. When I put it out there and say, this is what I've done and this is who I am and this is how I've overcome it. You can't hurt me from the, it's like robbing a house I don't live in anymore. You can't hurt me anymore. I've already been through that. So because I put that out there, it led you to me and mm -hmm. to do this out loud. And now here you are turning around and holding your hand and your voice and your story to your community yeah. on IAS. And it's just truly, truly beautiful. So I appreciate you for doing that. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. the people that you are helping and supporting. And I know I loved it that we teased that you would ask me a question and say that your IAS friends needed to know. <laughs> and then you'd bring back, you called it the medicine woman knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so medicine free, woman free coaching for people that don't have a coach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you was that way. Hey, <laughs> like a game of telephones, you know. Yeah, it was it, that's exactly what it was. I was delivering the message however it was going to come across but this is what I think she's <laughs> like I don't know let me ask the coach and then the game <laughs> back to the people <laughs> yes yes so you know what so yeah there were a lot of people huddled around me that were <laughs> all right what did she say <laughs> I so love that, that really helped that really helped mm -hmm. um I don't know if I can ask the question but I I was very curious when you went through the big thaw how was it? Did it feel the same? Because obviously, again, I said, I chose you because I knew how much you had drank before yeah. uh, what you had posted. So how was it? What happened? So I am like a big feeling person anyways. Um, so I always feel a lot and intensely. So, I mean, my baseline for that is already high. So it was incredibly high, but it also wasn't um, a mo one moment, I feel like it was kind of gradual. Um, like you said, the buildup, yes. you know, there were many moments that started to feel more and more raw and exposed. And like I said, just sensitive, like I could turn to tears over nothing because everything hurt so bad and I didn't know mm -hmm. how to manage hurt at all. So, um, there was a, just a buildup and a lot of meltdowns, a series of meltdowns for a big thought. Um, usually it was in relationships. Mm -hmm. If something hurt me or I didn't like somebody's response to something. And I also didn't want to say the wrong thing or overreact. I, and I felt confused. And I didn't have the old ways of doing things because I knew I was doing something new. 
I took a lot of walks around the block, Viv. I mean, I literally would just leave. I would just have to walk out of the house of wherever I was at. It could be zero degrees outside. I would just bundle up and go. And I wouldn't allow myself to come home until I got to a place of calm within. And so sometimes that was 12 walks around the block, you know, as I pass my house and go, oh no, not yet. Oh no, not yet. Oh, I am not ready yet. You know, to bring myself to a place of calm. And it was a lot of self-talk, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably a little swearing out loud. Um, There's more than one perspective to things, but we can't react. uh, We can't communicate and react with people that we love when we are in a state of high intensity like that. When you're in a state of high intensity like that, you have to get to calm. That is, you have to get yourself to calm and it can take as long as it takes, but you can't figure out a problem. You can't have an argument. You There's nothing, you can't engage other people in your meltdown. You got to figure your own shit out first, right? So you can't get to the, your thinking brain. You can't get to your thinking brain when you're in this highly emotional state. You've got to calm down. So whatever brings you to calm, like we said, a swaddle, a bath. For me, it was a walk, a walk. And, and actually a huge silver tool that is underutilized that many of my clients have. And I have to point out, out to them is just simply alone time, just being alone. Um, so now mm-hmm. I spend two hours, three times a week at the gym, doing my yoga, steam room, sauna, hot tub, <laughs> the whole, the whole right. gym spot experience. So I can just sit in a dark room by myself. My, myself and my own thoughts, you know, so I, now I prevent that sort of meltdown by taking time for myself all the time. But in the early right. days, it was a walk around the block for a big thought and, and coming to calm. And you know what? It would circle around again and I would get those feelings. And I think eventually they were less intense as you I talked see. about. So it didn't hit you like all at once. It was just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You were, you were having that muscle, I guess. Yeah. 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 Because I have, yeah. I have seen that. I have seen that where people, I think they're at 45 days and they're, they're jolted. And as I post about this big thought, because <clears throat> I'll post about it because I'll see somebody else going through it and I know they're going to come across my wall and they'll see it. And yeah. yeah and, and, but I, there's people then 45 days that are reaching out and tell me the same thing. Like, thank you for posting that. So I'm like, okay, you must be starting to thaw out. We're just, th- you know, I just feel like it happened all at once and it slammed me against the wall. Yeah. But there are those people that are intent, you know, it, little by little by little by little. So it's, it's not a one big slap in the face. Yeah. So we all feel it differently, but none of us are used to feeling anything. So having a feeling is like, oh shit, what's happening? <laughs> you know, like... Where do I put this? What do I do? Like, we think we're supposed to be robots or numb or like then not have any emotion. And the truth is we have a lot of emotion. I mean, even like people like you and me, we get real excited. We're real excitable about things, right? We get, um, and we have the energy to move a crowd and, you know, there's, we have lots of emotions. So a lot of them are really positive, but we're not used to feeling any of it. And our goal in drinking was to basically not feel. So it's all very new and uncomfortable. 
Yeah, and and not knowing um, for me being you know a drinker for so long, I felt that I was feeling emotions, mm. and the truth was I was I was never feeling emotions. Do you get what I'm saying? It's yeah. it was it 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 was psychologically it it was incredible because now at ten months versus all the time drinking, never did I feel those deep emotions. I felt anger. And I felt, um, you know, rage. Mm-hmm. And so funny now with them, with my emotions, I don't get to rage. The anger is not like it was. It was horrible when I was drinking mm-hmm. and now it's more calm. The pendulum. So even if you want to call it right, mm-hmm. right. So, you know, it let the happiness, even if I thought it was so great, now the happiness is down deep into my heart where basically I, I even muted my happiness because I was drunk. Yeah. I was a, I was happy drunk right. if that makes sense uh, in quotations because, you know, I was celebrating, but I was ending up numbed. So now in, in sobriety, my happiness is heightened, but my rage that I felt drunk is yeah. now more a calmness and acceptance and I feel it but it's not the same thing because mm-hmm. I thought I, I honestly thought as a drinker I had um I had problems with rage and and now that I don't drink I'm like I didn't no I didn't have problems with rage I was just drunk you know and I wasn't in control of, of what I was feeling and now as a deep you know, sober conscious woman, I'm able to feel, you know, it's not rage. I'm, I feel anger, but I'm able to look, not react on it Mm -hmm. and be in a more calm place with it. So yeah, I think that's beautiful. Alcohol really diluted you. And it's more about what's going on on the inside versus what's going on on the outside. So for me, I mean, I felt rage if I didn't have enough to drink, right? That's what would bring me irritation. That was the biggest emotion I felt was giving my drink now impatience and there's fear of scarcity. There's never enough. And don't somebody make a comment about my drinking, you know, defensive. Those were the kinds of things I felt, but now it doesn't matter what is going on around me, what matters more is I pay attention to what's going on within me. And that is what I would encourage all people on this path to do is start to recognize the feeling in your body. Is your, are you clenching your jaw? Are your shoulders tight? Are you, is your, does your stomach feel bad? Is it a tightness in your throat or your chest? You know, what is that feeling? That's your body telling you something. And even anger, anger can mean there's an injustice here to you. There's something that needs Mm -hmm. to be addressed. Anger can be your friend. Anxiety Mm -hmm. can be your friend. Your heightened awareness about something that says, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. That's an okay Mm -hmm. thing to listen to. Those might be teachers for you. Um, Maybe, maybe not, but it it is worth exploring. And what you found Mm -hmm. is that contentness, to be content. And the other thing is you can feel two things at the same time. So my story was a story of grief. Um, I did three eulogies in three years. One was my dad. One was two friends of mine that were my age, out of order, nonsense deaths um, that kind of escalated my drinking. What was already a ship going down escalated it. 
And since sobriety, I've also dealt with a lot of death of my loved ones. Mm -hmm. And two things can be true at the same time. I can feel sad that I miss them and so grateful for this day. You know, I can feel um, sad for somebody that I love or grief. And I can also feel joy and happiness in the moment that I'm in. So I don't limit myself now to one feeling or another. Um, It's often like the best feeling is what I call like the end of Steel Magnolia's movie, like the laughter through tears, you know? Right. Both things being true at the same time. It's bittersweet. That's beautiful, beautiful. I uh, absolutely, I agree. As I was going through my <laughs> my hardest times, I remember having, jumping on a call with you and us laughing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, finding- We do a lot of that, even through tears, don't we, Viv? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Gotta keep your sense of humor. Yeah, I remember, Boy, my life's really fucked up now, man. <laughs> but it was it was good, you know. Even the in now looking back, one of those things that I I, I was analyzing or self actualization of it, I wouldn't trade any of it. I loved my whole journey, and I will continue to love my journey because and everything that I've gone through was just for the best I, I didn't realize it at the time but it was for the my best and highest good yeah oh my so. gosh that's so beautiful I agree um I'm so thankful for this journey because it's led me to an awakened life and I would not have that without having gone through what I've gone through so the big yeah. thought brings um eventually a lot of gratitude absolutely absolutely Okay. Well, Heather, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Um, where can people find you if they're, you know, interested in sober coaching? Yes. Awesome. So, um, ditchthedrink.com that's ditched with the ED on the end is my website. Um, I have an online class. I have one-on-one coaching. I also help people that want to become coaches. So I partner with an organization uh, to become actually the International Association of Professional Recovery Coaches. So if somebody's interested in becoming a coach, they can also reach out to me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, Medium. If you're a reader and you're on Medium, you can find um, Heather Lowe there. And love to connect, love to connect with people that are looking to ditch the drink or have ditched the drink and other um, warriors like you, Viv. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I found you by being hashtag sober curious. Good to know. Yes. So follow that hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it was Instagram. Instagram was my friend and it was, you know, the breadcrumbs leading up to find you and also I am sober app that's how I found it uh, through the Instagram so things that you would never realize but yeah that was um, the key to my sobriety it was meant to be we were meant to meet for sure absolutely okay thank you so much Heather 